Sport Calgary is a volunteer-based, nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow in Calgary. Hi, everybody. Rob Kerr alongside with you, your podcasting pal. Um, and that, it's, a, it's a pal podcast today, definitely. A welcome. Hi, everybody. And, and I'm glad you're here. It is the original six feet conversation. Original six feet conversation. Uh, but you get it. It's kind of a pun, right? Um, been loving it. Been digging it. Appreciate the feedback. Um, uh, love the fact that you guys are enjoying it, too. We will continue to bring you guests from uh, Calgary and area. Uh, with connection to sport directly and indirectly, fans and and leaders, and uh, it's just it's going to run the gamut. Um, today, full disclosure, I keep every time we do this, I have to say full disclosure. But here it is, full disclosure. Not only am I a board member director for Sport Calgary, I happen to be and fortunate enough to be a board member and director for Kids Sport Calgary. And today, my friend Kevin Webster is going to join us. He is the executive director of Kids Sport Calgary celebrating their 25th anniversary, by the way. Um, and they do such important, great work in our community. Nearly 6,000 kids in the last couple of years a year, 6,000 kids a year, have been getting funding from kids sport to participate in sport. Some of it's hockey, most of it's soccer and lacrosse and dance, basketball, you name it, kids sport is there to help low-income families, families with uh, financial issues, make sure that kids get to play sport. I can't think of a higher calling out there, but that's just me. So we're going to spend a little time with my good friend, Kevin Webster. He's the executive director, and you're going to get to know him. You probably have heard him. He's made appearances on the radio and on television, and, and, and you've heard him in passing. You've heard of kids sport in passing. So we're going to talk a little bit with my pal, uh, Kev. Um, just want to remind everybody, though, that Sport Calgary members have access to resources such as marketing on social media, blog entries, features, and placement on the events listing. Become a member. It's easy and it's free. Visit www.sportcalgary.ca slash members. All right, Kevin Webster, everybody, the executive director of Kidsport, kicking it off. He's our guest today on an original Six Feet podcast. How are you adapting to working from home? Uh, Figuring it out, I think, a little bit at a time. It's tougher with kind of a team, obviously, to get them tasks and monitor what those tasks look like and how we still communicate and keep... uh, you know, the good culture that we've been building amongst our team. So that is the challenge. It's like taking a delivery service there. too. Well, it's nothing second rate about this operation. Um, Yes, I do need my tea. Uh, It is a little bit like taking a shower with your socks on. Like it, it, there's something about it. It it, it works, but it doesn't feel correct. Right. Yeah. Not yet. Anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you look around, this is my, uh, office here which is also uh it's playroom so i was gonna say for for the benefit because it is an audio podcast uh it's a palatial marble desk um all kinds of works of art on the uh on the walls yeah uh, overlooking the mountains how about that is that fair? like like every uh not-for-profit uh home office yeah um you let's jump in how how okay i mean we're all learning here kev but from a kid sports standpoint um, what's the last couple of, and Comrie, I keep forgetting, and, and Comrie Sports Bank too. Um, wh- what happens? What, what's going on? 
Um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of in a, we've, we've got lots of tasks to accomplish that are, you know, always on the to-do list. Um, but in terms of our regular operations and what our mission is in terms of helping low-income kids access sport, that's obviously on hold. There is no sport. And we're trying to make sure we're ready both on the equipment side. We've, we've turned off the tap, as you could say, in terms of equipment coming in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, donations, people donating equipment. So we need to be ready to share some communication around that in terms of what types of equipment are priorities. So we're not overwhelmed with a mountain of equipment that just is impossible to uh, get through in the back of the warehouse. And then on the kids board funding side, we were, you know, before we closed our doors on March 13th or whatever that day was, um, we were at over $150,000 um, approved to go out the door for kids, um, playing spring and summer sports. Right. So, you know, by the end of March on a typical year, that would have, you know, pushed over a quarter million dollars, um, in sport registration fees. So we need to be ready to process review, uh, and ideally still have the funds to, uh, um, support all those kids when sport does come back. What's it going to look like when it comes back? I mean, uh, have you done mo- <laughs> have you done modeling? I I don't know. There's there's no game plan here, right? Like, how do you begin to predict what the what it's going to be when it comes back? Yeah, and I've I've seen some good conversations started online, and I and I hope some of the leaders, you know, across all the different sports, do look at this and that it is more about you know the need to just have sport in society mm-hmm. and not have the best of the best and. How do we compete for the best players and have the best tracksuits and the best gym bags? You know, there's many other priorities, right? And we see it. Like, I know you're laughing, but it's... Well, no, you know why I'm laughing, dude. Because I think it's, regardless of what we're in right now, this is a conversation we've needed to have for a while, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, sport, when we've we've talked before, Rob, like sport um, is at a crossroads. There's, you know, many things that... uh, we all know we're great about sport, but sometimes um, the leadership and just our direction that sport has is is not always focused on why we all started sport in the first place. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's to have fun and get outside and meet new friends and learn all the great skills that sport provides. So two gorilla in the room or elephant in the room questions, and then we're going to have a little fun, I think. One, what do you do to ready yourself as a group Um, it's tough. It was tough to fundraise prior. Um, this is not a lockout or one specific sport or company that is on strike or whatever. This is everything. What do we do to prepare that when we come back, that we get the resources that we need? Because it is going to be important. We're going to be cooped up. Kids are going to need to participate. We've got to restart everything. How can we hit the ground running? Yeah, I think, you know, Families, uh, I'm sure all sports are kind of working on what contingencies look like and monitoring that, you know, weekly and monthly and daily um, to make sure, you know, if it's April 15th or July 15th that we're back to normal and we can go out and play and interact and embrace with uh, those around us, then we're ready to go and have the pieces in place in terms of, you know, what a season looks like, what a registration process looks like um and then how you know on the kids sport 
Comrie side, how we support the vulnerable population, low-income families, and ensuring that uh, we can adjudicate and process their applications and access to funds and equipment as quickly as possible, while also making sure the public and sport community is aware of you know what that means. And um, when we look at dollars, it's going to be more and more challenging, obviously, to fundraise, um, with the priority right now being um, where all the funding is going to health and um, the vulnerable populations from homeless and um, you know families right now that um, struggle to be isolated because they can't be out of work and how do they pay for groceries and um, supporting the food banks and all the the great organizations that we have in our city um, but they need they need help as well and then when we get back to sport we're going to need you know potentially over five hundred thousand dollars to send out the door in the first month um whatever sport looks like and you know as this crisis kind of continues um we're missing out on a lot of the fundraising that we had in place the the month of march is you know was laid out to be a pretty good month for us uh april may june are all huge months june's being one of our biggest months of the year in terms of fundraising so yeah we have to postpone or cancel we're you know looking at you know, 250 to, you know, upwards of, you know, north of $600,000 in fundraising when, you know, that's, you know, almost over a third of, you know, what we need just for registration fees. I was going to say, I think it's critical for you and I to point out that, well, everything is at a complete stop, so there's probably not a lot of money going out. You just mentioned it. I want to highlight it and underline it and bold it that, you know, April, June, or April, May, June. see, I can't even do the months correctly. April, May, June, this is critical fundraising time. This is, and, and with self-isolation, with, you know, all of those sort of things, you can't. And and that's the concern that I, I know you share, I share, we all share. And we're not alone. It'll be other groups as well. But um, that that's the one thing is we lose a little bit of time here that we're not going to get back. Without a doubt. And for an organization, you know, like, like ours on both the kids sport and Comrie side, we do a lot of fundraising in the event world. Um, that's bringing people together and um, raising, you know, good chunks of dollars through those events. Um, so trying to, you know, assuming we can just postpone them all is probably maybe a little naive because some of them just aren't going to happen this year. Yeah. There's going to be too much to try and get slotted in. There's going to be too much competition um, there's going to be too many, you know, other events that people want to attend and support the community that we can't have one every other week. And, you know, when we look at just kind of March, April, May, we're, you know, a dozen plus events that we would have had some that we host ourselves, some of the bigger ones we do, um, to a lot of third party events where companies and organizations are out there supporting us, um, to make sure we can continue to support the families and kids that rely on us. I got to say though, one little fun story in the in this storm is that not all, not all of it's that way. We got one email from a gentleman who said, "Hey, I know things are tough. Do you want us to prepay right now?" Like I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And how how great are people when they're thinking like that, right? Yeah, now? So yeah, yeah. It's from Brian Burke's Targets for Kids, one of the teams that's been competing the last couple of years. A group of guys that loves coming out and supporting us and thinking i'm coming to targets for kids no matter when it is so can i prepay does that help you guys out we'd love to make sure you can continue to do what you're doing and that's that's just 
amazing that someone even thinks of that with everything going on. Pretty awesome. Um, the other 800-pound elephant slash gorilla, whatever you want to use in the room, I think is, is one with opportunity. And that is, and bear with me, I, I know you're going to go, Rob, where are you going with this? We are going to come to a point where sitting in our home offices isn't enough. We are going to begin to clean. We're going to get into garages. We're going to get into crawl spaces. We're going to get into attics. And, Kev, I can't help but think byproduct of that will be the kind of the breaking or the making of uh, equipment available that people, as they go through this, as they keep themselves occupied, are going to find, geez, I've been sitting on a lot of equipment. And that could, as we come out of this, be a real bonus uh, for the sports bank, couldn't it? Without a doubt. And that's, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we, we just need to be smart with our messaging. And um, Jeff and Ben are starting to look at some of that so that we can be ready to make sure the community is very aware of how much can we receive right away? Um, and what are the priority sports that we need to focus on for right. spring and summer, assuming that, you know, sport does come back and there's some type of um, sporting opportunities available for kids still in those seasons. Um, but educating the community that it all coming at once does not help us because we won't get through it and we won't find the pair of soccer cleats that's in the bottom of the mountain that we need to get out the door to a kid um, that needs our help. So prioritizing what that looks like, ensuring that the public knows, and this is what we're, you know, we were already working on is that, you know, we're, we're an organization set up to help kids. So that's 18 and under youth that are not able to afford sport because their families are in a tough financial position we're not looking for the 30-year-old DNR leather rawhide hockey pads that you used to wear when you played net. That was incredibly specific. I got to admit, like that was incredibly right? specific. Like, um, I want a visual for people that can understand. <laughs> yeah, well, you gave them one. Um, you know, the, the hockey helmet that yeah. you know I wore 15 years ago when I played uh, competitive hockey, we don't need those, right? We're, we're, the, we're trying to help kids. Um, so it needs to be equipment that kids can wear um, that's in good condition. If you wouldn't put it on your kid to go play uh, organized sport, then we wouldn't want to put it on someone else's child. So uh, making sure that the equipment's the right stuff in good condition, um, that we can sort quickly, get it organized, and get it out the door on, on the backs and hands of um, the kids that need us. So give us a couple uh, things top of your head that as we're going through this process and i know this sounds funny but it's the reality we're in and i i'm already looking at the garage and you know what what are the kind of things that i should keep my eyes open for what could you really use yeah i, I think you know think of the sports when we come back but what are the top sports so soccer is one of the biggest on both sides of our business the kids sports side on registration fees and and equipment so that's shin pads and indoor and outdoor shoes okay um, when we think of hockey coming back in August and we start to look at evaluations, the highest um, sizes of skates in terms of, you know, numbers of skates going out the door are in the youth sizes kind of 11 through 13. Um, those are learn to skate, uh, Timbit, Novice, Adam, um, a little bit where we've outfitted the most number of kids. But um, kids in general with the, you know, priority ages, probably being between that four and 12 age range where we're helping the majority of kids. Um, so keeping in mind what those sizes look like from um, a 12 year old um, on down. And then if it's adult rec stuff and stuff that you're not sure about, it's best to call first rather than 
um, drop it off at one of the wood automotive um, dealerships around the city or at our office and then us have to find another location for it to go um, or if it's not in good repair that it ends up um, in a dumpster which we'd, we'd rather save a couple people some work in terms of moving that around first. Um, let's, let's go on a different path. I first became aware of you. When did you take over kids sport? 2000? July of 2014. 14? Yeah. Jeez. I would have said it was 2008. Okay. We'll go with 2014. I first became aware of you, uh, because you sent out a note and said, Hey, here's what we did. Here's what we raised. Here's who we helped. Here's what we did. And I was like, blown away because as a radio station back in my old career we'd always kid sports seemed like a natural to help but i had no idea like i'd never where did you come from kev where 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 are you from where did how did you find your way to kid sport uh, i grew up in peterborough ontario um spent uh, still consider that kind of home um went to university at the university of ottawa uh when i finished there I, you're a gg I'm a Gigi, yeah. <laughs> okay. I moved my way uh, into the university sports system, so I had a. I spent four months with uh, the MLS team, DC United. Um, interesting fun fact, which uh, I like to throw out every once in a while, which was on my resume when I got the job at Hockey Canada, which I'll speak to. <laughs> but I was the mascot in the 1999 MLS Cup Finals, the DC United versus uh, the LA Galaxy. What What is the mascot of DC United? Talon, which is uh, okay. um, eagle. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, now is it a mo- is it a costume it that allows sweet. for much? Could you do much uh, in that costume? It was very hot, and it didn't have ventilation, so it allowed for a lot of sweating. Okay. Sure. All right. Uh, but yeah, it was well designed mascot. Um, <laughs> the LA Galaxy mascot was a professional, um, so he quickly laid down the groundwork for me on how this was going to happen in a final. Um, I was. Uh, and what was he? What was the Galaxy's mascot? Uh, he was kind of a space, um, full spandex um, helmet, um, alien type. Gotcha. Gotcha. Guy okay. Galaxy. So, right. Stina Aguilera played halftime. Um, me and the LA Galaxy mascot had a few wrestling matches um, throughout, but I was more terrified by my own fans and some of the hardcore soccer fans, because a couple times I ended up in their sections, and um, they loved having the mascot there, but they weren't all that friendly to him. So I uh, I kind of stuck to the field after that. So. so okay, can you flesh that out a little bit? Where you mean the high fives were stiff? Yeah, uh, they, how were, would you... they were stiffer. Yeah, I was getting tossed around a lot. They wanted me to do some crowd surfing. Um, that I wasn't involved in the conversation about how that would happen. So I see. I it was see. Uh, it was enjoyable, but uh, a good learning experience. So I was down there with three other Canadians. Um, when I came back from there, I moved to Wilfrid Laurier University. I ran their football stadium and their athletic events for all their home uh, varsity events. And I worked on the Vanier Cup through that time from 2000 to 2005. Golden Gales? Uh the Golden Hawks. Golden Hawks. My apologies. Yeah. But sorry, that's insulting to you. Golden yeah. Hawks. I'm sorry. Uh, Queen's Golden Gales. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My. So you ran, a, I, you ran a Vanier Cup? Yeah. The last uh, 2004, 2005, we moved it to Hamilton. I worked for True Gravity Sports, and uh, um, I was the event director for the Vanier Cup. And the three years prior to that um, was at the Skydome 
before it became Rogers Center. So really um, lots of great experience. Got to meet a ton of amazing people. Um, unfortunately, we had some bad luck uh, in getting a big crowd because we had some phenomenal McMaster teams in that time with Lumsden and Chapdelaine. And yep. They never, never seemed to make it, which would have been like a home vanier uh, in Skydome. And then we moved to Hamilton. Um, our first year was Saskatchewan-Laval, so not the best draw for Hamilton. And then we had um, Laurier make it in 2005, so kind of a fitting end for for me. Laurier won the venue. We had a great crowd. And then I moved the fall of that year. I moved out to Calgary here for a job with Hockey Canada uh, in their marketing and events department. I worked there for almost nine years um, on a lot of their uh, Canadian, all their Canadian-based championships, so RBC Cup, the World Junior A Challenge, under 17s, right. under 18 women's, and then on to the bigger international events that were hosted here, the World Juniors in Ottawa, Saskatoon, in uh, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, as well as the Women's Worlds in Ottawa and Winnipeg. Um, lots, tons of amazing people met from coast to coast and a great learning experience, and then Kid sport um, came up in kind of early summer of 2014. They were looking for a new executive director and asked if I knew anyone and had a young family starting at the time and was traveling lots for work. And this made a lot of sense and continues to make sense today. So a couple things. Why not, um, for those in sport, I think they'll understand why. You, you never seem to have succumb to the siren song of hockey ops or football ops or any you, you seem to be able to you know maintain that discipline to stay on the event side the marketing side do you never want to venture over to the 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 decision making the the glory of of putting teams together and making deals uh, um i don't know i like to maybe keep that to my hockey pool world I, I love doing that kind of stuff but it's not real people that's not anyone i'm tied to but i i get i had some great experience i, I get to work really close with the high performance department in terms of event planning and um from the national women's program sure. to the national men's program to all the different teams that you know run their own hockey operations from junior a franchises across the country to putting together um, the first Team Canada West and East um, in uh, Humboldt, Saskatchewan, when we ran the first World Junior A Challenge. Um, I was heavily involved in the team side then. Um, so I feel like through the event world and working with our sponsors and um, host committees that I got to experience it all really through my time at Hockey Canada and um, n never really knew about kid sport until um, the job came on my desk and the, the more I learned about it um, once I got to meet some of the board members and understood kind of their history and the work they'd done and the work they were hoping to accomplish um, it, it was really a no-brainer in terms of you know living in Calgary for almost nine years um, not really having a network here in my first six weeks on the job I met more people in Calgary than I had in my first eight and a half mm -hmm. years here so um, it continues to be a, a great opportunity for me, lots of learning to be done and uh, lots of potential. And every day we're helping another kid play sport, um, which is no matter what we get done, that's always uh, 
the best story to know at the end of the day. I mean, the justice cause and the justice right, I'll grant you that. But it is a heart. I mean, of all of the things, you know, maybe Sands mascot for DC United, of all the things you've done, fundraising must be the hardest, right? Yeah, just it never stops, right? Like you, you can you want to celebrate as much as you can, um, but you can you know you can bring in a couple hundred thousand dollars one month, um, but that's going to go right back out the door the next month. Mm-hmm. Registration fees we're you know distributing over almost one point eight million in in fees. Um, that takes a lot to raise. There's no government funding coming in for kids sport here in Calgary and area. Um, so we do it from kids birthday parties and sports teams donating fees at the end of their season. If they have some left over to people hosting fundraisers, um, people doing stuff in their office from corporate giving, individual giving, and then all the events that, um, we're fortunate to have on kind of our calendar events, which really lay the foundation for us connecting with the community and starting to raise some of the, you know, over 2.5 million we need to raise now to support right. our, our equipment and fee side. Has sports always been part of your being, part of your fabric? I'm assuming you played growing up, all those types of things? Without a doubt. I, uh, I would not be sitting here today or who I am today without sport. I have had a chance and I uh, grew up with uh, two brothers in household, and my parents um, worked hard to make sure we had lots of opportunities, and I was able to play sport at a high level, and um, from competitive fastball and hockey to rugby and football and basketball and volleyball. Um, Wait a minute. That sounds like multi-sport. Yeah, you, you name it. We tried it all, and... Um, we were fortunate in Peterborough to have some great high school athletics. Um, so when we got to the point of high school, a lot of our friends had already played a lot of sports, but you played, you know, hockey for one season and you played baseball in the summer season and maybe something in the middle, um, if you could fit it in. But once we got to high school, we had a chance to, to try it all. And we started high school in grade nine. So we had through our OAC years, we had five years, um, of trying, uh, a variety of sports and competing with some amazing athletes in the other schools that, uh, you know, from our playing triple A hockey, when we got to high school, a lot of those same guys were all playing on different teams. So we got to see a, a whole different um, side of the sport of hockey. Cause now instead of wearing the same Jersey, we were all split up and wearing different jerseys and had to be part of uh, building a whole new team. Um, the high school I went to started hockey um, in my grade nine year. So I was fortunate to play in grade 10 uh, through till I graduated. And um, that was my only chance as well to actually play with my older brother, who's three years older than I. Um, so that was a, a cool opportunity because um, there was only one age level for hockey and we were able to play on the same team for a year. Um, so him, him and some of his buddies playing with me and some of my buddies uh, created some great friendships. So. so what were you taking at Ottawa when you went to the University of Ottawa? I took a bachelor of science in human kinetics. Okay. So somewhat sports oriented. Yeah, kind of, you know, just at the forefront of a lot of the sports admin programs. Okay. Starting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Laurentian had one. I think Brock had kind of started one more based on physical literacy, mm-hmm. um, but there wasn't a lot of them out there. So when I went to university, I, I really didn't, and I still don't really know what I want to be when I grow up, but um, that was, you know, it was, it was a, 
goal of obviously getting a university degree um, and sport was always something I was passionate about. So finding a degree that was at least close to um, what I was passionate about in the human kinetics program was a lot of um, kinesiology classes and anatomy and just the human body and understanding how it moves and, and connecting that with, you know, parts of math and sciences that we can use day to day. Um, not a lot of it I use today, but definitely um, being in that setting, kind of being out on my own. Um, a lot of my friends went to Ottawa, but just understanding how to be an adult and look after yourself and pay tuition and work a job to make sure you can do the things you want to do um, helped set me up for um, getting ready for a career life and work life and um, starting to you know make sure I'm ready to be in the position I am now to have a family and and do all the things we want to do. So let's say after second year, you're sitting around having a couple of pops with, you know, the guys you're going, the gals you're going to school with. What was the, at that time, where were you headed? What was the dream job? What was the, the goal there? Yeah, I I would say we we were all, we had such a great group of friends at, at Ottawa that um, school was something we needed to do, but it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't just in our age group and, even when you're looking at universities, it wasn't like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. There wasn't a lot of that mapped out for us or people there to support us. So it was, okay, you need a degree. You need to go to a university or college. Um, what's it going to be? And we were, in many cases, left our own devices to kind of figure out what that was. And then when we got to university, it was just, you know, you got to get through it. You got to end this with a degree. And um, we had a whole bunch of fun um, on our way to doing that. But it wasn't until kind of that final year when you're like, okay, now what? What am I, yeah. you know, going to do with this? Um, and that's when you know it really set in for you know a bunch of us. And I know for my core group of friends, many of them are doing stuff totally different than what their degree was. Um, I would say the majority of them. Yeah, but that's I think for all of us, right? Like, what's the number? Four or five major career changes one's going to have in their lives. Yeah. You know, I would say you're you're closer than some in the sense that yours have all had that through point of, of sport and athletics, right? You know, yeah. it's not like you went and, you know, became a, a computer technologist for a while or something like that. You have been able to stay kind of in that sports realm. Right. Yeah, true. Although, probably, again, you didn't think you were going to be in charge of one of the most dynamic nonprofits anywhere. That That comes later in life. That comes later in life. What's um, what's I I've often wondered this. I I tell a story all the time. I served three years in Saskatchewan, so I've I've lived abroad. Um, what's it like for an Easterner to come west? What's what's been the transition for young man from Peterborough to find himself in the Stampede City? It was uh it was a pretty easy transition, and I think just because I I didn't need to put down roots here right away with the job I had. It was you know I had a great kind of work family in terms of all the people at Hockey Canada, some of them, you know, still friends today. Um, and then immediately I started working in different communities across the country. Um, so I got to know people from Summerside PEI to Prince George, BC, and um, connected with some unbelievable people. And those are the people I spent, you know, leading up to an RBC Cup, you know, days and weeks and months talking to, I didn't have, you know, a huge group of friends or a network here in Calgary. So I didn't, 
I didn't feel a transition was really that tough because I didn't have to kind of create a life for myself here right away. And it wasn't until, you know, I kind of met well until I met my wife in 2006 that, you know, I really started connecting with Calgarians and starting to know people um, here in the city. And then when I switched jobs to kids board is when I really um, started to grow roots here and, and create a lot you know, stronger foundation here in the city. So I had a lot of time to get ready for that and started to create friendships over that time. And, and when I did switch jobs to here, I was, I knew Calgary was home and there wasn't any hesitation in terms of my moving back to Ontario or any of that. We were, we were here and this is where I was going to be. And I was ready to make an impact on the community a little more than I had and start to have a a positive um, role in the community, um, especially when I can think of, you know, what that role would be with sports and, and helping kids knowing that um, I had so much opportunity, making sure that other kids get the same opportunities. Have you always been um, of service to your community as, as volunteerism? Is that something, is I found it later in life. I, I would never lie to anybody and say that, oh boy, I, you know, this is all, no, I found it later in life. What about for you? Where where was community and volunteerism for you? Yeah, I, I would say similarly. I mean, community growing up was, you know, I had a job from 12 years old on and um, a lot of my free time was taken up on that. But when you got into the sports setting, you know, you could see it happening when, you know, your garage is full of pop shop or juice pack. <laughs> you know, cases of juice that, you know, on my day off, all the other parents of the team would roll in from the hockey team and pick up their cases of juice. And that was our fundraiser. My dad would manage it out of our garage. So I could see that side of it and how sport needed it. Um, When I was at the university, Wilfrid Laurie University, um, we had a lot of students that worked with us and you could see just, you know, they were getting paid, but they gave a lot more time than, than that, but just how quickly the sport community needed to rally um, from other staff stepping up when we had big events and the community members um, stepping up. And then in the role at Hockey Canada, it's, you know, every community we went to, they were all volunteer run, every host committee. Um, so 90% of the people I was working with outside of our marketing partners and staff in the office were all volunteering. So I could see it. So what I loved about the job there is, you know, they were wanting to do whatever was best for the the city of Camrose, Alberta, or yep. Prince George, BC, you name it, they were going to do whatever they could do to make sure this event was the best it could be and left a great legacy in their city. Um, so yeah, when this, this job um, came up, I, I knew that this was going to be a huge part of it, that um, Kidsport relies a lot on volunteers, and we have a lot of volunteers in the office from the sport bank side. So my knowledge of it versus, you know, the time I've personally given, um, like you, I don't, I'm not going to make up stories about how much I volunteer, but I appreciate the world of volunteerism and everything involved in it. And and I know that our community would not function sport and otherwise um, anywhere near the level it was without people giving their time and um, personal knowledge and resources to strengthen the community around them well said i do wish this podcast was a game show if it was a game show i'd give you a thousand bonus points for a pop shop mention hey yeah pop shop is the best they growing were, up they, right 
guess, but they were amazing, yeah. All I remember of a pop shop is it was one of the only things open on Sundays at one point in my life. So yeah. you go on a Sunday afternoon to this big warehouse, and it'd have that rickety old caravan or a conveyor belt, and you push the, the pop, and, and you always got to that one section of grapefruit. Who wants grapefruit, right? Yeah. Pop shop is you, the best. So, so you get yeah. an extra 1,000 bonus points for today. Okay. Hey. Thank you. All right. Uh, by the way, I gotta I gotta do a little commercial read here. Uh, sport Calgary is a volunteer based nonprofit society guided by a deep love of sport and a mission to help sport grow in Calgary. Of course, this podcast brought to you by Sport Calgary. Funny though that that is very similar to your mission. Tell me about your ambassadors and tell me about how you've I think done this amazing job of of finding really wacky, crazy, passionate amazing awesome ambassadors especially if i dare say your female ambassadors which might be some of the best you can find advocates for sport anywhere so tell me about that project this kind of just came out of a a need I, I i started like i said in july of 2014 and one of my first days in the office lisa and dana said to me hey we got this golf tournament coming up and it's a pretty big one it's the PepsiCo Foundation Golf Tournament, and they've been supporting us at that time for uh, four years, I think. This will be year number 10 this year. And they need someone to speak at the golf tournament. So I said, well, how do you guys normally do that? Well, I, we usually just scramble and try and find someone. So we, like, email people or call people. And so we, based on my previous experience, I reached out to Carla McLeod, who I knew was a great speaker, and she came and spoke at that year's golf tournament but she didn't know a lot about kids sport um neither did i at the time but as i watched her speak i could see how passionate she was about sport and what it meant to her and she could easily connect that with kids sport but she didn't know who we were how long we'd been here the kind of work we do on a daily basis so connecting to even her sport of hockey or um other sports that she played growing up she didn't have the knowledge because we hadn't given it to her and she didn't have the tie to kids sport. So that experience uh, gave us the thought to how, how do we just, there's so many great people, especially on the athletic side here in the city. How do we start to connect with some of them and, and ask them to be involved? So we had some ambassadors, um, Kyle Schufeld supported kids sport yep. for many years at that time, but we, we hadn't kept them updated with information. Um, so we started to reach out to, um, local athletes and media personalities that were tied to the sporting world um, and said, would you join this group? Um, our goal with building this group is to educate you on who we are and, and to make sure if you're at an event that you're very knowledgeable and you can speak personally yourself without, you know, someone writing it for you on why I choose to support kids sport and what they do in our community. So, Really following social media, we started reaching out to some of these athletes. And once we connected with kind of, you know, the core group, um, some of who you're referring to, so Maria Sampson and Trish Jaworski and <laughs> Michaela Widmer, um, Haley Daniels, um, they started cultivating some of the group on top of that. Yeah. So and we've, we've just looked at gaps and and we didn't have a lot of summer sport athletes at one point. So we reached out to Mike Soroka as an example and one of the greatest human beings um, anyone will ever come across. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to triple a ball this year, but um, I want to do something in Calgary. When I come back in town, I'm always going to come back through the winter time. Um, 
so let me let me know how I can help. And he got called up to the Atlanta Braves that year, so we didn't connect until he got back. But he was the one that reached out to me and said, I'm back. What do I, what do I need to do? Do you want me to come to some meetings? Like, how, how do I help? How do I get involved? And um, ready and willing to do whatever he can. Um, so from there, we've added, you know, Rachel McIntosh, heptathlete, Jessica Zelinka, heptathlete, Erica Weeb, um, wrestler. And the, those individuals, but as a collective, are just all hold the same things in my mind just amazing human beings um that we're lucky to have as part of the kids sport Comrie's family and they've just they've all learned so much from sport and they've all excelled in their own ways at sport but they all they all want to do what's right by our kids and making sure that they all have opportunities similar to them and that the sporting world is ready to support them and be accessible to them um, we're just, yeah, we're, I'm amazed every time I look at the list and, um, knowing just how unbelievable the people they are and how willing to support not only kids sport, they support many other causes, um, in the city as well. And, um, yeah, we've, we've got a really great group that if you ever come to one of our events, um, and I know you've met a good chunk of them, Rob, but for the people listening, um, you'll quickly know who they are. Um, they're not always, you know, someone that stood on the top of the podium, like Kyle or Erica, but they, they will come up and make sure you know who they are and why they support kids sport. And, um, they all have a great passion for sport and they are just like I've said multiple times now, just amazing people that we're lucky to have in our community that do so many good things for our community. Well, they're, you know, the word there's so many words in society that we just attach to things but the word ambassador is so appropriate so appropriate because they come from all walks of life they come from uh, all corners of sport but the beautiful thing is you have a handful too that were kid sport supported that that came up and and the support that kid sport gave their families allowed them to excel and and eventually make it to the international stage which is really cool yeah. Yeah. And in kids sport, you know, for the ones that were funded directly, obviously they know what it did for their families. Yeah. Um, but that, that story in many cases, um, was provided to a lot of athletes in, you know, their age group in terms of someone in their community helped them play. Maybe it wasn't kids sport. Um, maybe their family could afford, this but they couldn't get them to practice um and that's you know sports done what kids sports doing you know insular to itself for many years in terms of helping those out who need it um and that's where kids sport just kind of goes above and beyond and and that group of ambassadors as you've said the name is Mm. so fitting for them they are not only ambassadors for kids sport but for sport in general um the life lessons that sport teaches and for the city that we're fortunate to call home, um, Calgary and area community is stronger with these individuals living here and, and making it a better place in their own careers every day and, and what they do um, and continue to do in the sporting world. Except for Francis. That guy's a deadbeat. <laughs> I just want that out there. Eric Francis, sure, he pigs out on pizza. I get that. Yes, he has hot stove uh, and charity and stuff like that. But that guy's... That guy's a malcontent. 
Just saying it. You won't. I will. No, I'm yeah, just saying. A couple decades of Eric Francis, and uh, <laughs> I know you, you and him have a good ongoing. Uh, but I don't like, know what you speak uh, of. <laughs> um, just like you being a great ambassador, Rob, Eric's been uh, a great ambassador. I refuse for, to hear those words spoken on this podcast. It's true. it's true. It's true. It's true. Without a doubt. It's funny. Um, we could almost share the story. Like, uh, we were all there together at a kid sport event when the world changed, right? It was pretty, it's pretty wild. Like, um, yeah, I, it was, at, we were at Eric Francis and a, a, a charity hot stove for kid sport. And he had Dave Dickinson, who, by the way, stole the, well, Jeff was good. How, how okay. I'll get to how we changed the world changed, but how that particular event has gotten better and better each time out is unbelievable to me. How good was Dave Dickinson and Jeff Ward a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, it just goes to show you can't really have any preconceived uh, notions. You can't judge a book by its cover or go into something assuming um, what you may experience. You have to go into everything with an open mind and and be ready to uh, just kind of bear witness to what may be happening. And both Jeff Ward and Dave Dickinson and um, Eric and yourself do a great job in terms of setting up the conversation and making sure those guys know they can yeah. be candid and, and speak freely. And the crowd was uh, great. And they both told some stories that um, were refreshing in a time as the news kind of rolled out that night um, that, you know, we all kind of foresaw maybe what the next couple of days would be with the NHL shutting down and schools closing and, and now us sitting in our uh, palatious home offices uh, doing, <laughs> doing podcasts. Doing podcasts. Yeah, but it, we were at the Beltliner, and it was when the issue in Utah happened, and it all happened in a half hour. It was crazy. And like you say, there you had, you know, we announced to the crowd the NBA was suspending its season, and there was an audible gasp. Like, I'll never forget that as long as I live, like, the reaction. But then to have Dave Dickinson and Jeff Ward kind of immediately react to it was really – it was crazy. It was it was crazy. It was you know it was weird. But you and I have shared a lot of things like that. We've we've seen some craziness in our time together. There's yeah. no doubt about it. What um, what keeps you moving? What keeps you pushing forward with this, Kev? I mean, you're you're likely never going to get to a situation where you can just take a year or two off from fundraising. You're, you're likely never a situation where you're going to be able to help every single child in, in Calgary that needs the help. So what keeps you moving forward? I think. Um... You know, the first couple of days, like last week, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of been tough to figure out how to get, how to approach this and how to support, you know, our team as best I can in my role, um, while also making sure we're tackling some of the things that we'd like to get to. Um, I'm sure many people out there are dealing with it. I've got a eight and a four-year-old at home, so trying to yeah. figure out how to, you know, continue to keep them going and learning, Um in terms of providing some homeschooling tools, um, but they they can't go do it on their own. They're they're eight and four years old, so a lot of our time uh, between my wife and I is trying to rotate through on who's helping them and how do we set up a schedule and structure that can support them. While they also think it's a weekend, right? Like it's yeah. like, well, can I just watch more TV? Like there's no school. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so that that's been challenging, and you know work. Um, as we, you know, we've had some things, our annual report, you know, we're, we've completed, but we've put on hold here till we have yeah. a little more certainty because it's just not 
you know, something that we need to be releasing right now. It's, there's many other big issues out there. Um, looking at, you know, our operations and how long this goes on for starting to consider the human element is, is a challenge in terms of, we have some great people, um, working for our organization. We have some amazing volunteers that come in every day and, um, ensuring that they have a great place to come back to. Um, and, and hopefully that, you know, depending how long this goes, that we can keep them all employed. Um, being that we're, you know, a charity that relies on public funding, um, and then we're going to be missing out on a lot of that. We have to look at, you know, what the future holds and depending how long this goes forward and to do our best to, um, protect those, um, that already give so much of their time, um, for our organization. We're also making sure that when we do come back, that we have the resource ready to help the kids that were set out and the reason why we exist to help them all get back into sport. Um, the ones that rely on kids sport and comrades to do so. Let's, um, let's end on something a little positive. We've been doing this with all of our guests. Uh, I want from you and I'm going to leave it rather open-ended so it can be interpreted any way you want to interpret it, but give me, when it's all said and done, we, we want people to listen to these conversations and go, Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Uh, and hopefully have a collection of hidden gems. Give me Kevin Webster's hidden Calgary gem. Can I get a little insight as to what other people have uh, been well, sharing? Well, no, because if I give you some insight, then you're going to yeah. do the same thing, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm looking, I think it's an open-ended question, um, a little nook, little place, a little restaurant, a little park, a little something that that, you know, is a real cool little hidden gem in calgary um i'd say for our family something we've tried to do um the last couple summers which the kids absolutely love and live for which encapsulates a lot of those hidden gems is we do uh, a saturday or weekend park crawl so we do some online research to find where the new parks were kind of some of the most popular parks and then we map out our, our pack a picnic and wrap map out our day in terms of how many parks we think we can get to and we just go play for the the day so we've you know it's taken us into a lot of communities we wouldn't typically um drive into and head to because we don't have friends that live there or we don't you know have activities in those communities so it's taken us all around the city to different spots so that's been kind of cool um, the kids love it. They always talk about it. And when can we do the next one? Um, with kids, I think, you know, our city's very fortunate in terms of all the different spots they have. But the zoo has always been um, a spot that when it opens, um, again, has provided a great home for us in terms of lots of great memories. And with grandparents and, and with the kids from birthday parties to just going and walking around and, and seeing all the animals that are there and witnessing something different every time you're there um from the maybe from the kid sports side i highlight a couple hidden gems in terms of and they they need our help more now than ever um is some of the small businesses in the city that um yep. go above yep. and beyond um for kid sports so broken yolks a local restaurant that's i think their slogan is bringing brunch to the burbs so <laughs> west hills and simons valley and mahogany um they've been donating money to kids sports since they opened their doors and they're 
um, Simons Valley location, I think six years ago. Um, something that they wanted to do because Jeff and Gil, the uh, brothers that own it, um, hence the bro hyphen kin is their name. Um, sports been such a huge part of their life that um, when they hire employees, sports, a conversation that they have with them and what involvement those people have had in sport to wanting to give back to their community. And they reached out to us before they'd even started construction of the first one to see one, can we actually donate to kids sport? They asked, is this something we can do? And and then how do we do it? So we, we met and um, it's been amazing to see their organization grow um, and to see what they're doing. They are doing uh, delivery and, and pick up during this time. Um, and they're just one of many um, small businesses. We've got, you know, 50 plus pizzerias, many are those mom and pop shops from Inglewood pizza and, Matador Pizza, Sammy's World's Greatest, you name yep. it. There's, you know, small mom and pop shop places that serve up amazing food that are going to need um, our community support um, through this and when we get through it to make sure they can continue to be um, pillars in our community because as small businesses, they don't maybe get noticed as much, but they do lots um, from supporting um organizations like ours to minor sports teams and other charity events um they're always looking to give um and now we can all give back for sure well i'll I'll say this that 1999 dc united la galaxy uh, mls final sure christina aguilera uh performed but she wasn't the only rock star there that day you sir are a rock star i appreciate it mr webster uh thanks for doing this uh i know we'll be in touch and obviously we've got some work to do when this is all over uh, but stay safe. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Rob, and thanks for everything Sport Calgary is doing to share some positive stories um, through this and, and helping us communicate ours, um, as you guys always have. That's our pal Kevin Webster from Kids Sport. Uh, what, appreciate him being honest. I mean, come on. He's a rock star. When it comes to raising funds and keeping kids in sport in our city, Kevin Webster is a rock star, and he was kind enough to join us, and we're very appreciative of that. Um, just wanted to give you a little bit. This is the kind of thing we want to do here on the original Six Feet Conversation podcast. We want to, you know, get the people that maybe you heard of or adjacent to or whatever and get to know them a little bit more. Why, you know, why be involved with Kidsport? Well, you just you heard from the executive director. Like, he's a cool dude. They're all cool dudes, and most of them are my friends, full disclosure anyway. And as I said before, I'm a Kidsport, you know, board member uh, and ambassador, and, and I think it's just and right and we should all be involved so um look if you enjoy the conversation fantastic please share it with other people loving the feedback we're getting um the biggest thing is we want to network this out as as much as possible this podcast is for us in this time in this moment um we got to stay safe we got to stay away from each other but how can we remain connected well let's tell some calgary sports stories shall we and we're going to continue to do that for you right here on this platform so again you enjoyed it make sure you share it For Sport Calgary, I'm Rob Kirk. We are going to talk to you real soon.